From WAMU 88.5, this is Metropocalypse. I'm Martin DeCaro. Postseason baseball is back in Washington, but late-night subway service is not. Metro is well aware of our concerns, and we've exhausted all of our options with them at this point. Without WMATA in the Nationals' bullpen, could we see a mass exodus before the last pitch? But first, we're singing Blue Line Blues. I could drive in half the time of what Metro officially considers on time for me. We're looking for eight-car trains as time slips away as you stand shoulder to shoulder on the platform. It's the Metropocalypse, and it starts now. The DC Metro uh, historically has been a great strength of this region. Customers should expect extended delays and crowded conditions on trains and platforms. The trains aren't coming frequently enough. The trains are too crowded. There's a real frustration with seeing four trains go through before a Blue Line train comes, and several of those trains are looking pretty empty. It's rush hour at Roslyn Station in Arlington, Virginia, the western choke point of the Metro Rail system. Three lines converge, and no more than 26 trains an hour can squeeze through the bottleneck. Only five of those trains are on the Blue Line, one every 12 minutes. When they show up, they're often packed, and that's not just because they run so infrequently. Trust me, I went to Roslyn to see for myself a couple of days ago. It's the Roslyn platform early on a Friday morning, very busy already on both the lower and upper levels. Trains arriving every couple of minutes, orange, silver and blue, and each and every one, six car trains. I look up at the passenger information display screen, 666. Been here for about a half hour now and seen one eight car train come through that was on the orange line no eight-car trains on the Blue Line, and uh, unfortunately for Blue Line riders, that is becoming all too common. Their trains are crowded, they only show up once every 12 minutes, and they're almost always six-car trains, including the one I'm boarding now. Uh, it's frustrating. The trains get really crowded, especially with the single tracking going on, and it's really just a hassle to get to and from work. Have you thought about another way to get to work? Uh, I'll take the bus sometimes if I think I'm going to get kind of in the middle of rush hour just to alleviate some of the struggle. The struggle is real for Corey Cilia and fellow Blue Line riders. When the Silver Line opened more than two years ago, Metro pledged to run 50% eight-car trains on the Blue Line. So if a single rail car can comfortably carry 100 passengers, that's 200 more people who can clear a platform when an eight-car train arrives versus the usual six-car train. We asked Metro to provide the data. They declined. Fortunately, the DC Metro Hero app using Metro's data stream came through for us. Since August 1st, in morning and afternoon rush hour, only 2% of Blue Line trains carried eight cars. The promise was 50%, the delivery 2%. We'll hear from the creator of the DC Metro Hero app, James Pizzuro, and Jeff Laramore of Save the Blue Line. But first, here is WMATA watcher Stephen Rapetsky, who tweets at Metro Reasons, breaking down the problem. So there are a couple of things going on. There's been a typical rail car shortage, uh, mostly during the summers a lot with the, the all the hot cars. Uh, a lot of those get pulled out either during the day or overnight. Uh, and so you just have fewer cars total. One of the things that Metro does is if they're going to miss gaps in the line where uh, where trains otherwise should be, they'll run more six-car trains uh, and less eight-car trains to make sure that to try to keep them more evenly spaced. So there are no operational issues related to safe track, balancing rail cars across the system, making sure they're in the right yards that are, are contributing to these poor numbers? Uh, safe track does, it makes it a little more challenging, but there's no 
no reason that should be too much enough of a case to uh, impact operations. Their safe track is planned out at this point a few months in advance, so you know what scheduling you need, how many cars in each yard you would need. I do have a statement from Metro. We asked Metro to provide their data. They did not. But James, let's talk about the data a little bit. You're getting Metro's data stream. You believe it to be accurate. But when I saw 2% eight-car trains on the blue line, uh, I scratched my head and said, that, that, that can't be right. <laughs> but you're telling me it is. Uh, yeah, so we our data source, our primary data source is from Wada itself. They released a new sort of data feed pretty recently uh, with our help, basically. That basically shows you the positioning of trains on the line. Now, your app tracks every train every day. You can see where your train is in the system. That's right. Jeff Laramore at Save the Blue Line. So you've been hearing these sad, sorry numbers. What's your reaction? I've been hearing these stories for... Over the last two years, I mean, ever since the Silverline opened, Blue Line has been having problems with crowding, problems with train frequency, and I think that the fact that they're just not running eight-car trains is making everything worse. One of the most frustrating experiences that I see regularly as a rider on the Blue Line is going through Arlington Cemetery. There's no other options but taking the Blue Line there, and and now you have these tourists that are coming to D.C., and they can't get on a train and have nowhere to go and are now waiting for who knows how long in order to uh, actually make it onto a train. So you take the blue line from King Street to Farragut, and you're sticking with it. I have been sticking with it. Part of that's because there's only so many options. The options are uh, to drive, which I think actually some people are saying looks better and better as an option, to take the blue line or to do the transfer that Wilma has been trying to push to take the yellow line up to LaFont Plaza and switch over. If you actually look back at Metro's fleet management plan, they were actually expecting about half of Blue Line riders to switch over from taking the Blue Line to taking the Yellow Line. Um, They were expecting Blue Line ridership to to fall in half when they made these changes, and there's no way that that's happening. James, you look at these trains flowing through, coursing through the the tentacles of the system every single day. Any thoughts on on some of these operational issues? These are obviously challenging problems. I don't think anyone's faulting Metro for for trying things and seeing what works. Sort of just the response and sort of the PR campaign that has been around some promises that have been made, like the the 50 car, uh, 50% number being thrown around as recently as a couple weeks ago. And now, you know, we have a statement that says otherwise. Here's Metro's statement. Metro is currently working through rail car reliability challenges with an aging fleet where the oldest cars are now well beyond their 40-year lifespan. Each day, our priority is to ensure there are enough cars available to fill all scheduled train slots. In an environment where rail cars are in short supply, there are times when the number of eight-car trains is reduced to ensure that there are enough trains operating. In other words, says the statement from Metro, there are times when filling out A-car trains would mean fewer trains overall, resulting in service gaps, longer waits, and a greater negative impact on riders. And that's from Metro spokeswoman Sherry Lee. So no mention of anything safe track related in there. No, I mean, I was expecting not if they would have the time to plan to be able to uh, put cars where they need. Uh, but the the car shortage because of uh, the hot cars or other issues has been that's no new issue to Metro. They've had uh, issues with that for years. Uh, the Silver Line exacerbated that because they opened that before they received the 7,000 series cars that's that right. they were expecting from Kawasaki um, before that opened for a, a number of other reasons that those were delayed. Yeah, including so, the tsunami in Japan that disrupted. Right. The tsunami, the integration, uh, the testing issues that they found, the, the door and the other issues that they had to work through with the manufacturer. And, and here's the thing about this issue. Like many other issues that continue to confound Metro or confound commuters, it doesn't have a lot to do with SafeTrack. As SafeTrack has soldiered on, there have been any number of operational, mechanical, maintenance problems that have persisted. 
that even if there were no safe track, we'd still be having these things. And they're kind of hidden underneath the safe track umbrella. But we're bringing it to light today with this total of eight car trains. Again, 2% on the blue line when Metro's goal is 50%. They're at 40% on the red line, 33% on the green line, 2% silver, 4% yellow, 16% on the orange line. It would seem that even orange line riders have something to beef about. Well, and, and I think that an important piece of this, given that they actually do have ACAR trains at some places in the system, is then looking at what the actual crowding data is across the lines. And there is no question, consistently, the blue line is the most crowded of all of the lines. Yeah, most times with uh, trains with more than 100 people per rail car. Yes. Uh, Metro has very specific standards on what their targets are for crowding. Since the Silver Line opened, the blue line, I think... Uh, only one or two months have they met the standards that Metro is setting. Every other month they've been exceeding this. And that's not seen on the other line. So there is this question of if they have a shortage of rail cars, why is it blue that's not getting the cars that they have available? Thank you to Jeff Laramore of Save the Blue Line, Stephen Rapetsky, who tweets at Metro Reasons, and James Pizzurro, who created the DC Metro Hero app. As Metropocalypse continues, it's the bottom of the ninth at Nats Park. The clock strikes 11. Decision time. No, not for manager Dusty Baker. For anyone who wants to make the last train home, next. This month at WAMU, we're lifting our voices to shine a light on black changemakers throughout American history. Some you know and some you don't, but they all change the world. Hear the stories of these incredible scientists, activists, artists, and more throughout February on WAMU 88.5 and streaming at WAMU.org. When it comes to the Washington Nationals in the Major League Baseball postseason, their fans have rough memories. They lost the division series in 2012, three games to two. In 2014, they were booted from the division series again, this time three games to one. In 2016, fans want to avoid another early exit, not just by the team, by themselves, too. We're talking about Metro's moratorium on late-night rail service, no exceptions. So here is a worst-case scenario. Ninth inning, extra innings, Nats in a tight, tense playoff game. And hundreds, if not thousands, of fans are streaming for the exits on national TV. Or they stay, and then after the game, crowd onto buses or pay for Ubers or some other less convenient way to get home. So let's lay it out for you. If a game starts at 8 o'clock, and if, according to Major League Baseball, the average game time is about three hours... You'll be in the ninth inning at about 11 p.m. The last train toward Greenbelt departs Navy Yard at 11.39 p.m. But the last Greenbelt-bound train that guarantees you a transfer to the red line at Gallery Place leaves Navy Yard at 11.20. If you're going in the other direction, you're in better shape. Last train for Branch Aft departs at 12.17 a.m. Valerie Camillo is the chief revenue and marketing officer for the Washington Nationals. The team has approached Metro about running the trains later to accommodate their fans and large workforce. Metro isn't budging. Metro is well aware of our concerns, and we've exhausted all of our options with them at this point. So it's plan B. 
We have a number of travel tips for fans, and we have a website set up, nationals.com backslash way to go, where fans can go and really plan ahead and then come down early um, and make sure that they are able to enjoy every minute of postseason baseball. All the parking spaces at the stadium are booked, but there are commercial lots in the neighborhood. Metro says there's parking available at Anacostia on the Green Line, too. Camillo deflected a question about the possibility of fans leaving early in the glare of national TV cameras. We'll continue to talk to Metro as the situation evolves with SafeTrack. At this point, we're very focused on this postseason and making sure that our fans get to and from the park. So this is the first big case since the start of SafeTrack, with a tension between the rail system we want and the one we currently have. The tension between General Manager Paul Wiedefeld's mandate to fix the system and the public's demand for service. Transportation Secretary Anthony Fox sides with Wiedefeld. Look, I would far rather uh, people be inconvenienced than be in a situation where they're not safe. Metro Board Chairman and D.C. Council Member Jack Evans does not. And can you imagine the World Series? It's the eighth inning of the game. The game is tied, okay? It's the seventh game of the World Series, and 15,000 people in the stadium have to get up and leave. I mean, so it's kind of a humorous, gross exaggeration, but nonetheless, something we have to consider as we go forward. Evans was speaking to a D.C. Council breakfast a few days ago. He only mentioned the World Series, not the earlier rounds of the playoffs, but there's little support on the board to make any exceptions to late-night service moratorium. That would be the Metro Board of Directors. Ali Steinheimer was at the 2012 playoff game at Nats Park when Jason Wirth had a big home run. She's a member of the Metropocalypse Facebook group, and she says if she goes this season... She'll Uber home. It's certainly an inconvenience. I don't blame Metro for not changing their position because once they make one exception, they have to make a million other exceptions. Um, But, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you want to see the Nets, like you're going to find a way to get there and get home. Again, that website is nationals.com slash way to go for alternate travel tips. So my take is fans, I think most of them are going to find another way to get back and forth. No one, I hope, wants to leave a playoff game early unless it's a blowout, maybe. But the way this episode is handled, if the Nationals make the World Series and the world learns that our subway system won't stay open to accommodate the crowds, the reaction to that may dictate how much pressure Metro will face to make exceptions to the moratorium in the future. The current moratorium will expire next spring at the latest. It'll be up to the Metro board to set a permanent policy. Will they side with their general manager? Or will they side with more service, less maintenance? The very mentality critics say got Metro into this fix. People will find a way to get home after a baseball game, but Washington's image as a so-called world-class city is at stake. And that's it for Metropocalypse, episode 17, coming up this Wednesday, October 5th at 6.30 p.m. You can join us in person in the flesh for episode 18. Metropocalypse Live returns to Kramer Books in DuPont Circle. Join me and author Zachary Schrag as we explore the history of Metro, its problems, and the sweeping ambitions of the folks who've devised and built the system. We'll also answer any and all questions from our audience, so come on down. The event free, open to the public. October 5th, 6.30 p.m. More details at wamu.org slash metro. Metropocalypse is produced and edited by Brendan Sweeney, Joe Warminski, and John Ogolnik. Andy McDaniel is our director of content. Music on Metropocalypse comes from WAMU's Capital Soundtrack. This week you heard tracks by Martin and Kenny Mack. Thanks for listening. I'm Martin DeCaro.